0: Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me, to I guess feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland.
1: On Sunday evening, Lionel Messi confirmed his status as the greatest of all time. Today, Christmas has come early as I get the chance to ask Ireland's athletics goat all the questions you've ever wanted to ask. That's right. Today we're going through the wide range of mailbag questions that have been overflowing out of our post box and clogging up the corridors of the Irishmen Abroad offices over the past year. You submitted them and now Sonia is finally here to answer them. In case you missed it over on the big interview on Sunday, we had that Irish 100 meters hurdles phenomenon, Sarah Lavin on for a chat. Of course our members can get a double sized version of that chat and all our episodes, plus hours and hours of bonus content by signing up for premium Irishman Abroad on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. There's a handy little fifteen percent discount on annual membership going. Right now, Sonia, did you watch the World Cup final?
0: I watched the first half and I haven't seen the second half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then no, the no is the answer. I mean, that's when so it got good.
0: I'm going to still plan to watch it. So hopefully I can catch one of the replays <laughs> that they've got going on here. Oh, my and I God. don't know. The, I don't I don't know the details. I haven't read anything of the details <laughs> yet. All I know is that Argentina were leading 2-0 at halftime and it For- looked. It looked like it was all over.
1: Oh, it really did. And here's me thinking that we were going to come on here and talk about seizing the moment and what the champion's heart is really made of. And you're like, nah, didn't watch it. <laughs> I missed it. But of course, it was on at two o'clock in the morning for you.
0: It was. And for some reason, I thought it was going to be on at six in the morning. Mm. And I had all planned to get up and watch it and thinking, oh, this would be great. And then I saw two in the morning and I thought, no, there's no chance of this. Yeah. So... They do tend to replay it over and over again. And I'm sure I can catch a highlights video. Yeah. It's kind of like when you, you know, if you don't, sometimes if you don't do your run first thing in the morning, then you keep pushing it on and on and then it gets harder and harder to fit it in. So it's been like me for that with the World Cup final is that I watched the first half and then I had to take Winnie out for a walk because it was nine o'clock in the morning. So I couldn't be sitting around for another hour watching the football. It, it, it so. is a
1: big time commitment. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> I, it, it was the greatest World Cup final that's ever taken place. There's no doubt about it. I was trying to get that through to Mikey that, you know, it's usually 1-0, Mikey. <laughs> He's like, how long is this? I was like, you've seen six goals from play and
0: <laughs> I'm ruining a spoiler alerts on you. Yeah, I gotta watch it. We get
1: We have a huge mailbox of stuff to get through. Questions that I'm receiving into the Irishmanabroad podcast at gmail mailbox all year long. I have to apologize to people. I haven't managed to get back to every single email that we've received. But what I've managed to do today is collate some of the most common questions that we're getting asked. And now we're going to have the chance to put them to Sonia. later in the show. Of course, we'll go around the parishes to see what you've been running over the past weekend. Here's question number one, and it's a general question that gets asked all the time. What is the minimum weekly mileage I need to clock to comfortably complete a half marathon? Now, I've put that question down because It's been asked in so many different ways, and it is a very general question that people have where they think, if I can hit this number, then I can do X. Is that completely the wrong way to think about it? Is this a crazy question or is there a definitive answer?
0: Uh, I don't think there's a a definitive answer. I'm I'm not sure there's a magic number. And I was, yeah, when you said half marathon there, I was nearly expecting you to say marathon Mm. because that's. I mean, a half marathon, I think you can probably get away with a lot less than a marathon for sure. And I think the key that people have to ask themselves is how long do they think that it's going to take them to complete the half marathon? And so then it's more about doing longer runs for the amount of time that you're going to be out there rather than the actual distance. Right. Because when it comes to the event, then you're more than likely there's going to be a bit of an adrenaline a bit of positive energy and you'll be able to kind of lift yourself up and raise the game a little bit. So it's nice to have a little bit of unpredictability that you're going to do better than you've been training for. Um, So you don't really practice what you're actually going to do in training, but you do versions of it. And, And the key is really the time on your feet. So for example, how long do you think? Oh, you've done a half marathon. Yeah. Um, how so long did it? How long did it take you to do? One
1: forty-seven was the was the time that I eventually clocked. So if we use that okay. as the gauge,
0: yeah. So did you ever run that amount of time in training before? I did. Yeah. But so just see, just once. But, but probably but probably not covering thirteen point one miles
1: or no, twenty one That's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think as long as you can be out there for. The amount of time that it's going to take you then you're going if you move a little bit faster then you're going to cover more distance in less time mm. so i think it's just getting used to mentally as well as physically the amount of time that you're actually going to be out there that you can actually process the fact that you're going to be out there for nearly two hours
1: okay right so some places that i've looked up on this in preparation for today's show have said that uh, if you were to do a half marathon, you need to work up to a peak week of at least 30 miles. Uh, I don't know what that is in kilometres, but is that is that the wrong way to think about it? That, it, that it's more time is the better way to think about it.
0: Um, well, a bit of a combination, really. I mean, time is good for your long run, for the long run that you're going to do. So in that 30 miles, like at the peak of your training you would hope that at least one of those runs would be about 10 miles so then you've got six days to cover 20 miles so that shouldn't be too difficult Hmm. so if you're running five miles a day for four days then you've got two days off so
1: right um i mean there's there's a bunch of questions around days days off later in the show but this um this question of what do what's the least amount of work I need to do in order to do the thing? <laughs> like so so many times the question does come out come down to not laziness, but just time management. And you've talked about this a bunch of times across the series, and people are very welcome to go back and hear Sonia's discussion of how to schedule your week. But thinking about the least amount, that that really has to be wrong headed.
0: Well, I think it's it's good to know the minimum that's required so that you have your baseline and I've got to at least do this, but that's not the least that you should do. That's just the least that you need to do. Mm. So that's the bare minimum. So you really should be doing more. So I think, you know, if you're looking for the least amount, then you're only looking for, if you're having a bit of a, a sticky week where you can't do everything, so you might have a bad week and you might only get 30 miles in. But the rest of the time, you might be doing maybe 40 miles at least or 50 miles. So, I think you need to have a bar to aim for. And then once you get there, then you've got to like start heading for the peak. Okay, I'm going to push the boundaries here a little bit, reach a peak, and then I'm going to get really good at this. And then I can back off of it. Because the thing is, if you're only running 30 miles a week, only, and some people run 30 miles in a day, but 30 miles in a week, that's what, like just over four miles a day if you do something every day. So it's not a whole lot. And the thing is, if you're the, the least amount of running that you do, then, then there's less that you taper as well for the event. So you really only need to taper if you're running a lot. But if you're not running a lot, then you can run right into the rates.
1: Right. Okay. right. Well, I think that's a a sufficient answer we can give to that at this point. And, you know, Sonia has devoted hours and hours this year to devising a really thorough half marathon training plan, which I am currently putting together in a PDF booklet that you can access through patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Brought a whole squad up to Lauren. Shout out to all those people that did it. And many people who didn't come with us used that training program and adjusted it for their own marathon training. Let's fire a few quick ones at you. Andy Tracy wants to know, can you ask Sonia her take uh, on training with ankle weights? What? Why would a person even do that, Sonia? I, I, I think my first instinct is that's mad. Do you have any experience of it?
0: Not personally, no, know, but I've seen it. And I would also shake my head and say, what are they doing? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, weights are for the gym. You don't need to take them out on the road. <laughs> Who have you
1: seen doing it? You haven't seen anybody uh, like in the elite category doing it, have you?
0: No, it's people go through these phases every now and then and they do stuff like that. And mm. maybe they get some ankle weights for Christmas or something like that. I can't imagine the benefit i mean I, I i know plenty of exercises that people do with the ankle weights on and but you're lying on the floor or mm.
1: you're
0: you know and you're lifting your legs up and down but you're not actually standing up and lifting your legs I i mean i think there's there's a high chance of injury doing stuff like that that
1: would have been because my instinct just, too yeah you're messing with the with the uh, yeah what what's the word you're you're messing with the function right the uh
0: Yeah, the biomechanics and everything. biomechanics, yeah. You know, you're actually pulling your leg down when you're trying to lift it up. Um, So I I definitely wouldn't be recommending that. I can't, I mean, maybe there's another sport out there that needs to do it for some reason. Um, I'm sure people think if I run around with these leg weights on me and I take them off, then I feel like my legs are absolutely flying. (laughs) You can see, I remember doing this exercise one time and used to, it was a bit like the is a, a machine in the gym and you kick your legs up. So it's for your um, your quads. Mm-hmm. And to do it in this gym at Villanova So many years ago. Oh, I know ago. the yoke,
1: yeah.
0: It's for strengthening your quad muscles. I don't know, you could do a test and see. You could go to your max, you know, and really do it. And I remember you'd be strapped into this thing and you'd have, and it wasn't weights. It was just some kind of a pressure thing and you'd really be pushing it up and you'd be doing it five or six times and then they would stop it and take the thing off and and your leg would just go up by itself. <laughs> it, it's a bit like, you know that thing where kids hold their hands, yeah. you hold them in yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. let them go and they just come out, go out by themselves. Oh, magically. Yeah. It was
1: magic. Yeah. It was like the buttercup under the chin. It's like, oh my God, this is crazy. How did you, you know I like butter? <laughs>
0: I'd love to hear from anybody who you know, has a positive reason for doing this or any reason for doing this that has any kind of, I suppose, I don't know, evidence behind it that is beneficial. But seriously, I, I can't see the reason for doing that. And you, you do see people sometimes running with small dumbbells as well. Hmm. Or walking with them. I mean, walking, you could probably say, okay, that's not too bad, but, you know, throw a backpack on.
1: OK, right. Let's get on to Shane. Shane wants to know, uh, Jar, can you ask Sonia if carb loading on Christmas Day is too early for the Dublin Marathon? <laughs> <laughs> fire away. Yeah. Lash into it. Killian wants to know if you have any experience with training on stairs and raise levels of stiffness afterwards.
0: Well, um, I know when I'm here, I'm, I'm down in Janjuck at the moment, along the, the surf coast in um, not far from Melbourne. And... Um, To go down to the beach, you have to go down loads of stairs. And it's grand going down, but coming back up, it's like, it's hard work. I mean, stairs are hard work, but you do see people running up and down the stairs. Um, and it's more for that would, I would say would be a kind of an anaerobic training. They're always flying when they're running up and down there, but it's hard work. And uh, of course you would be stiff and sore afterwards because you're using different muscles. Mm. But if you do it a few times every few days, and you probably get used to it.
1: We have a voice note in here from Michael Kennehan.
0: Hi, Joanna. Hi, Sonia. Michael Kenahan here. Really loved the episode there at the end of November
1: when you're talking about the heart rate zones. Mine, my default one was set way off 173 on the Garmin.
0: But here's the question. Should I be setting at the 188, which is sort of my peak heart rate on a good day when I'm peak training? Or should it be 181 where I am there at the moment sort of in between a training block and that's sort of my, as I said, the park one max most weekends. Love the show, guys. Thanks, William. Um, well, I don't, they don't change that much really over time. And so when there's dramatic changes in the heart rate, then you'd kind of question, is it accurate? And so. The first thing I would say is, OK, well, how are you measuring your heart rate? Is it just by the Garmin on your wrist or do you have the strap around your chest? And the Garmin on your wrist can be a bit up and down and not very consistent. Right. So there can be a few spikes in there and a few anomalies of heart rate that you just kind of have to eliminate that. And, and, and it's funny because some people, when they think about heart rate, they think, oh, higher is better. For sure. And you really, you're looking at the high heart rate just so that you can calculate all the other training heart rate levels from that. And then you kind of need to correlate that with the pace that you're running. So there can be lots of mathematical calculations and equations and different things in there, but you should be able to get a fairly consistent heart rate at the park run of where you're at, you know, for for the effort that you're putting in. And that's the other thing. So you've got heart rate, you've got pace, and then you've got effort. But the effort can change depending on how you're feeling, depending on the weather, depending on the course, if it's hilly or not. The weather, really? Oh, yeah. Like if you're running into the wind, then, you know, if you're trying to hit a certain pace, then your heart rate's going to be way higher than if there's no wind. So there's so many different variables. And that's why a lot of people don't always like heart rate. And particularly the cyclists, they like to use cadence because they think there's too many variables with heart rate. And then the measurement of heart rate, it's not automatic. It can take a while for your heart rate to get up there and to get to its consistent level. So I think you need to kind of work out, okay, well, what's my threshold? I mean, the reason for using the heart rate is to figure out your threshold rate. It doesn't really matter what the maximum rate is in you know you're not out there trying to get your maximum heart rate that just happens every now and then and it's a very difficult thing to achieve like they, they say in order to do it you need to run up the hill many times but then it's got to be the right gradient to hill and you've got got to be able to run at a decent pace up there or in an actual race where you're really giving it socks and mm. you know you're pushing yourself to the limit so i think then The thing I would be looking at first is how you're measuring your heart rate and how accurate it is. And then once you can determine how accurate it is, then you use, for your training that you're doing right now, you have to use your maximum heart rate that you're at right now. Not where you want to be, not where you've been in the past, but where you are right now. And then you use that for a number of weeks. And it's all it's a bit of an average, weighted average, thing it's not an exact science the heart rate and it does vary so you have to have operate with ranges rather than exact numbers
1: yeah you said this before on the show that you you were a your one didn't match up to what the average science view was
0: um well i know when i used to do heart rate use my heart rate to help with my threshold type runs it would always generally settle on a number. So I might be up around the 180s, but when I looked back on, you know, a four mile tempo run or something like that, then it would always kind of settle around 178. And then I would just, so sometimes you have to try hard at the start to get your heart rate up there. It's a bit like a plane taking off where you got to like fly down the runway. you got to get in the air and you got to reach your cruising altitude. And then once you, and so that's like the start of a race. So there's all this adrenaline and energy at the start of the race and everybody hairs off. But then you've got to kind of pull things back and you've got to get to the cruising pace mm. that, you can, that you can hold for most likely 10k or something. I think it's, it's easier to get it over 10k. I think 5k is sometimes too short.
1: Well, we have a 5k question coming in now from uh, Lorda Scott. I've never heard the name Lorda. But I think it's a pretty cool name, Lorda. Uh My maybe it's Lorna. Maybe she's. Spe- no, that's not possible. No, it is Lorna. <laughs> Hi, Jonathan and Sonia discovered your podcast the day after I struggled through the Dublin City Marathon. I was feeling very disheartened and your podcast with David Gillick helped reset the head since then, been injured like yourself and have been listening in the gym slowly getting on top of this injury, but fighting the mind numbing boredom of the treadmill and cross trainer. Amen to that. Anyway, two quick questions after this week's pod. How do you move from a 33 minute park run time <laughs> to a ridiculously quicker time? I'm stuck on 27 minutes and need to know the secret. Uh, I, we'll have to break these down in two, Sonia. Second one would be, uh, would you be able to give a shout out to everyone organizing gold miles over Christmas, especially to the one in Airog Greystones on the 27th at 11 a.m.? It's the first time it's been in Greystones in many, many years. Myself and the other organizers are hoping that people will turn up. Consider it done, Lorda. In fact, there's an Irishman running abroad. Gold mile taking place at Dunboyne Athletic Club track at 11 a.m. on New Year's Day. We'd absolutely love all of you to pop down or sign up to do it. Sonia, this is an event that's really close to your heart.
0: Yeah, the gold mile is great. I mean, I, unfortunately, I've never been in Ireland to take part in one. No way. Uh, down through the years. No, I've never actually taken part in a proper gold mile. I've been in ones that are before Christmas and after Christmas, and we had a couple of attempts of variations of it in Australia. But no real proper gold mile. But I know the history of it, and I've seen all the pictures down through the years. And you know, so many people have taken part, and it's such an important part of people's days on Christmas Day, or sometimes it's um, on St. Stephen's Day um, because it's not always easy for people to get out on Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, So it's great that you've got one going in Dunboyne. That, that is fantastic. I'm
1: really excited about it. Johnny and all the team over there have been uh, really great. Alan Vard. I want to give a shout out to Alan Vard from Goal. Uh, it's just going to be a fun morning. Uh, it runs from 11 to one o'clock, so you don't have to be down there like bang on time. It is just a bit of crack. Get the kids out. Get as many people down there as possible and we'll try and raise some money for this brilliant cause. Now, Lorda's question of <laughs> I mentioned last week in the Sanctuary Runners episode with Uh, a mcsweeney that i had run a 33 minute park run and got it down to 1950 with the help of sonia what would you say sonia what's the answer here i i know my answer but i'd love to know what you think is the is the key to getting a 27 minute park run down a bit lower
0: well i think the key is is consistent training and consistent variation in your training so like you have a training week and you have certain paces that you run on certain days. So you're not always running the same pace out the door. And the thing with 5K is that, I mean, for you to get from 33 minutes to 25 probably wasn't that difficult. Mm. It was a massive big jump. And then you were down to 24 and 23 and 22. And, you know, it seemed like the closer you get to 20 minutes, the harder it gets Yes, um, to, to take more and more time off. But now 27 minutes to 25... That's, I would think that's very achievable. I think 25 minutes is very achievable for a lot of people to do. It's just to have some kind of a structured training plan. So you take your 27 minutes and you work out, okay, well, what pace is this? And then you realize that the actual training that you have to do for it is not five minute per kilometer pace, but it's a little bit slower and you build up your aerobic capacity so that you're then capable of running 5k at a much more comfortable pace or at a faster pace more comfortably mm. so you get comfortable you get comfortable being uncomfortable and then you have to pick out a day when you're going to try and go really fast and like I, I was out last weekend at the park run and I, w- I only I went down a just to support one of the or a couple of the athletes from my training group here in Mentone Athletic Clubs. And one of the girls, Helen Bryan, was trying to break 20 minutes and Ian Dent as well. And it was funny because there was loads of people came down and they had a few pacemakers. And sometimes when you kind of announce it and you tell everyone you're going to do it, it all of a sudden becomes really difficult. (laughs) Who are you
1: telling? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And the pressure is on. Yeah. And um, I was actually listening to a podcast earlier today with um, this guy, Eddie Hearn. Do you know who he is? Oh, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of the boxing promotion and lots of different sports events promotions. And um, he was talking about pressure and he was saying how pressure is like, it's some, pressure is, gonna, is there anyway. Like, you've just got to deal with it, and it's how you manage it is how, how you get the best results. So he said some people will kind of shy away from really going after something because they'll say that the pressure was too much. But, you know, if you're competing at a high level, then you have to expect that the pressure is there. And so you've got to work out a way of dealing with it and overcoming it and not not be afraid of it, that you have to, you know, go at it head on. So I think you have to take the pressure away and forget about all that. And you just have to break things down and, and do the maths and do the calculations. And you have to look at, OK, how much training you're doing in the week and what's required. And for 5k, you don't need to do a whole lot like you could run, you know, four days a week and probably improve from where you're at and but if you train better and that's the thing is lots of people will be out there thinking that they're training hard they may be running a lot of miles during the week but they may be all at the same pace and then you go out on Saturday and you're trying to run at a much faster pace but you've never practiced it so if you've never practiced it how can you expect to do it for
1: Mm. Hundred percent. You gotta pull the pints on you. You gotta pull the pints properly. <laughs> a couple of people brought up that analogy to me when I was out at the Dunabate park run <laughs> on Saturday. Shout out to Kira and uh, Finton and Carl and Mick who were down there and everybody who came out pulling the pint analogy was that if you if you don't put in that base level of aerobic training, Sonia gave us this analogy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't matter what the head on the point looks like. If the base isn't there, it's, it's just not it's it's not worth your while worrying about the top of it. And um, certainly from my experience of trying to get my 5K time down, I think you're right. The consistency was was the thing. And I started it in January. If people want to go back, the Breaking 20 Challenge started in January. It was a great little focus at a very bleak time of the year. Let's be honest. We may look at doing it. Again, this this time around, see, can we get it down a bit further? But of course, I am deep now in in mental preparation for the London Marathon in April with the help of Sonia and Vinnie Mulvey here in Ashburn, VinnieMulveyFitness.ie is the place to go to contact. This miracle worker who has gotten me out of my injury woes, he has been calculating what my threshold pace is, and we have had this question over and over and over again. I apologise to anybody I haven't replied to on this. What is the significance of threshold pace, Sonia, and what exactly is threshold pace?
0: Well, it's a comfortably hard pace. It's something that you can um, hold for an amount of time. So it's actually, it's a pace that you should be able to hold for about an hour. Um, For elite runners at the high end, it would be a pace that they can hold for a half marathon. For most normal runners, it's probably about 10 miles. So a a good hour run at this pace. But you get to do it for, I've seen your training program here with Binny, and he's sending you out there for 12 minutes of threshold tomorrow. And really what it is, is it just breaks up the run. And so you do your three kilometers of warm-up. Then you go 12 minutes at threshold pace, which he's saying for you is, um, what did he you say, was it around 4.55 to 5.10? Mm. So, you know, you can set off nice and steady and you don't have to get down to 4.55 straight away. Um, and depending how fit you are, you may average 4.55 or you may not, but at least you've got the window there. And this is, I mean, I was even talking about this with our athletes at Union Athletics Club recently of the, um, the having a window bracket of the pace that you're running is really beneficial. Because if you've got one number that you've got to aim for, then you're so fixated on that, that how you feel, the conditions, the terrain, all this stuff it impacts on what you can actually do. And sometimes you may be able to hit 4.55, but other times it may be 5.10. So you need to have that window to operate within so that you can fluctuate up and down, depending on how, how the conditions and the weather and how your feeling is. Yeah. Um, but it really is, I mean, the thing is for thresholds, it's not that difficult. It, what it does is it makes you run with better form. Um, So you're not just kind of plodding along and going through an hour run. But you actually kind of make your mind up. Okay, I've got to concentrate here now and I've got to focus. And you probably have to turn the music off and the podcast off and just tune into your body and how you're feeling. And so you do one rep of that and then you have a few minutes rest and then you go again. And it should be even easier the second time. And maybe you get a little bit tired towards the end, but it's all within your control and it's a very controlled type of running. So you're not going as hard as you can. You're not just out there for a jog, but you're you're running with a bit of purpose. And by doing that, what you're doing is you're topping up your aerobic levels.
1: Tis the season for brand new runners from people who don't know anything about runners. <laughs> I mean, Chances are, if you're a runner this Christmas, you're going to get a box containing a set of runners that you're like, these aren't the ones <laughs> that I wanted. And I don't really like these. My question and the question that I've received over and over is when exactly is the right time for a new pair of shoes? If you're me, it's when you see nice ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Sonia, there is probably an answer to this. The The Strava account that you have registered your shoes to will give you a notification of time for new shoes. Other places will say 300 miles. That's exactly how soon you need to change that. But is that big sneaker company trying to get you to buy more shoes or is there actually a tipping point when you have to go, no, no, that is enough. These shoes need to change or you will get injured.
0: Well, the the real um, I suppose the answer to that is how much you're running in the shoes. And if you're using just one pair of shoes, the same pair of shoes all the time, then you probably change them more regularly. One second I have Winnie here as like she wants to go out or something. <laughs> I was trying to say
1: something to you. Somebody stuck she's down speaking. the well, Sonia. She's
0: speaking she's speaking to me, so I better <laughs> open the door. <laughs> right. Winston, are you going out?
1: Winston? Winnie's name is Winston.
0: <laughs> no, sometimes he's Winston. <laughs> oh, man. It's like when
1: your mother calls you by your full name.
0: <laughs> Winnie, how do you get Winnie? Go. Yeah, it, it depends on yeah, the tone of voice you're using and what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so what were we talking about? The
1: the shoes. <laughs> yeah. So it depends shoes, if you have a yeah. sneaker rotation.
0: Yes. Well, I always laugh when I get those messages from Strava, and they say, "Time to change your shoes." I'm thinking, well, I don't really don't even keep track of my shoes on Strava. I never change them around. Yes, I've
1: noticed you've got tens of thousands of miles and some of the runners that you have up there, like, (laughs) what is she running around on? Just the insole.
0: Well, it depends on the shoe. They say those like next percent and the faster type shoes, they definitely have a bit of a lifespan that's not too long. And it's often easy to keep track of that because you know you only wear them for races, you only wear them for faster sessions so it's easier to keep track of how old they are um and then you have other shoes like the structure nike structures and they they would be more durable Mm. and they would definitely last for a longer time you get more you get more life out of them for sure um but it's more a thing of miles or kilometers over time oftentimes your shoes might look a bit battered and stuff and so maybe it depends on if you're running a lot on trails, then they can get worn out a lot more. Oh, I saw it thing today. I, I was in the supermarket <laughs> and I took a photo for you. I'll have to send it to you. You know the way you get wipes to clean things? Oh, yeah. Like, they had sneaker Sneaky wipes.
1: Sneaky wipes. I have them <laughs> already, Sonia. I mean, they, they're, they're a great little, they're a great thing for cleaning your shoes. In fact, the Jason Mark range of stuff that I used to clean my shoes completely overhauled sneakers that I thought were toast. M- made them into perfectly serviceable walking shoes after they had had their running days. They retired to be uh, supermarket shoes <laughs> from that day forward. Thanks to the Jason Mark range. I'll link it in. The info, the sneaky wipes, though, so, very handy.
0: What's what's in what's in the sneaker wipes that's not in the regular wipes?
1: Well, there's a kind of a there's beveled something. quality to the... Oh, uh, right, it's the, a bit rougher. The yeah. material, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it has some sort of cleaning agent on it. But honestly, the best sneaky wipes that I use are the ones that have, like, nearly bleach in them. I think they're made by Domestos, but they're used for cleaning the toilet. They can bring up the white on those sneakers, <laughs> dazzling whites are in your future <laughs> if you get those for yourself how do you stay motivated when you don't want to go for a run one of the most common questions we get in the mailbag is motivation headspace head stuff even you sonia don't want to go for a run every day how do you conquer
0: that you have to think about why you run and you know the reason for it sometimes it's easier to be motivated for sure when you have a training plan and you have a something that you're aiming for, I think. So then every run you're doing has a purpose. Mm. So there'll be so much variability in there that some runs will be just easy runs. Some will be harder runs, some will be longer runs. And I think you can mentally get yourself up for it when you know it's coming.
1: Mm. But even even then, though, Sonia, like it's like right now, the rain is battering against the window here. Uh, Vinnie Mulvey said to me on those days, he always pictures Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption crawling out of that tunnel and feeling the rain on your face as a positive thing. There are going to be days where you've got the the training plan and the race ahead of you where you just don't want to do it. Do you have anything that you say to yourself on those days where you're like, I really don't want to do this, that gets you out the door?
0: Well, sometimes it can be just guilt, you know, you kind of guilt yourself into it. <laughs> there's no magic, there's no magic cure to this. Yeah. I think you just have to, I don't know, Some maybe sometimes you just have to take a day off and reset and restart mm. because sometimes you just need a day off and you don't know you need a day off and your body's just kind of crying out for a rest. Arrest. Yeah. and And sometimes you have to give into it. But then I think to be able to enjoy a day off, you have to accept it and embrace it rather than feeling guilty about it all the time. And, you know, you can make yourself feel bad for taking a day off and then you don't enjoy it. So then what's the point? Yeah. So if you're going to have a day off, then you might as well enjoy it and do what you like and then start again the next day. I
1: I can nearly remember you answering this question in one of the early episodes of this. And one of your tips was if you struggle in the morning when you know the morning's the only time you have to do it, that actually setting your gear out is is a great way. I can remember it changing things for me because it's like this is the rigmarole of pulling out this, trying to figure out what will I wear, what's the day. You said, look at the weather, figure out what it's going to be, and then just kind of get on with putting the stuff on. And you're kind of halfway there.
0: Just having an idea in your head of what the weather is going to be like, what you're going to wear and where you're going to run. And I think once you have the kind of all the seeds planted in your head then it's much easier to get up and go mm-hmm. and then the other thing is to have a deadline you know have it you've got to be back for something so I think when you have to be back for something then there's a bit of pressure to get out and to do it and if you don't do it now then you're gonna are you going to do it later or you're not going to do it at all so there's a there's a lot of self-talk going on there <laughs> which I mean I don't know I wonder sometimes I kind of think this is I only do this stuff but You wonder, is there a lot of people out there who go through this self-talk a lot that you kind of have to convince yourself to do it? And then you have to remind yourself that you actually enjoy doing this and you're just kind of being a bit silly, you know. You know it's hard work, but you're talking yourself out of it. But you know that you're only going to feel good if you actually get out there and run.
1: Worth writing this stuff down as well. I think the the notebook was a turning point for me, was actually just writing down these things, have a quick read of that remind yourself of these thoughts. Shane Horgan said in an old episode of Irishman Abroad that the key for him was starting. He said, just start. He said, once you started, shoot, that's it. You're you're doing it now. <laughs> so he would just say, yeah, himself, I mean, just start and see how we go.
0: Yeah, that's what I would say, too, is you start it with no expectation. You just go out there and you think, OK, well, at least I'm out here and I'm jogging along and it yeah. doesn't really matter how fast I'm going. Yeah. And that's, I think, You know, what can, I suppose, hinder people sometimes is if they're afraid that they're not going to feel good out there today. And I don't really feel like up for the challenge of pushing myself.
1: Mm.
0: And so they kind of think I'd rather not do it if I'm not going to do it well. Whereas sometimes you have to lower the level of expectation and just go and do it at any pace. Don't worry about your watch. Just, you're just starting your watch because you want to know how long you're out there. It doesn't really matter how far you go or how fast you go.
1: Don't talk to me about watches. I accidentally deleted my long run off my watch <laughs> this week. I mean, it was a full hands to the sky. No <laughs> moment. <laughs> and only runners can appreciate how. <laughs> how tough that was it was my especially, first,
0: especially when it's your first long back the first long,
1: long one back <laughs> yeah exactly first time I'd done 12k in an awful long time but here comes my favourite question question of the week goes to Shane Dwyer in Longford Dear Sonia I saw a video of myself running the other day
0: <laughs> Oh I loved it it's great I couldn't I think I, I, think think. I saw somebody else do this, say this the other day
1: Shane fair play to you for emailing in this level of honesty I couldn't get over how bad I looked. (laughs) I barely lifted my knees up. It didn't look like running whatsoever. I looked like molasses moving along in a pair of shoes. How can I improve my knee lift, my heel lift? How can I look more like a runner? Is there any drills or anything I can do or should I just accept I am Shane? This is how I run.
0: Well, I think anybody who sees a video of themselves running thinks that they don't look very good. I would have to go back to, you know, seeing myself running and winning races to think it looked any good. But if I see any video recently, it's like I feel I, I look way worse than I think I look. <laughs> really? Even you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, I sometimes you can be out there running and you feel pretty good and you're kind of thinking that you're bouncing along and you think you're lifting your knees off the ground and running well. But if you were to see a video.
1: Or you pass a reflective window.
0: oh yeah, if you pass a window and you see yourself in the window and you think, no, I don't. That's not how I think I look. (laughs) But I think I actually saw a a girl post something about this, an American runner, during the week. And she saw a video of herself and she thought, oh, I don't know. I don't like how I look. And then she had to kind of rationalize it with herself and say, but I actually like how I feel. Mm. And So it doesn't really matter how you look. If you actually feel pretty good running and you feel like you're improving or you feel like you're enjoying it, then it doesn't really matter how you look when you're running. Uh, You know, you look at any of the runners running down the street when you're out driving and there's so many different variations of people running. But, you know, they're still covering the ground. Yeah, I do hear
1: Shane's other question around drills because you you know, drills are the best way to kind of improve those little muscles that won't automatically improve just by going out day and day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There is, there is definitely areas where you can improve. And the problem is that it's not very measurable improvement. So it's hard to say if you do this for X amount of weeks that you're going to improve, improve by this much. I think you have to feel like it's helping you and you have to believe in it for it to be working. And, and there are definitely a lot of running drills one can do and we, 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 we used to do them there at one point hmm. and I've actually I've re-found the book about running 5k fast. Um, oh, yes. And I that that's actually got that's actually got a really good chapter in it about running drills. Um, so maybe we should write those out again.
1: I'll put them in the info fast 5k to... by Pete McGill. A hell of a read. Yeah. I will post the drills that he mentions in the info. And if you're listening to this on Patreon, of course, you get a little bit extra in your episode notes. Sonia, we really have to go around the parishes. We've got quite a few amazing runs from our listeners this week.
0: Ben Cullen in New Zealand and I can't remember how far he was running, but he I think it was about twelve K. But he was running in Queenstown, um, which is right down at the bottom of the South Island. But where he was running was absolutely lovely. Around, it looked like a lake. It was, it just looked amazing. But, you know, I was looking at the picture and I thought, yeah, it looks great. And I know I sent a few pictures to yourself and a few others yeah. from my run yesterday. And that also looked amazing. But it was tough. as It was so windy out there. <laughs> a still picture was doing no justice to to run and then also um, Carl Fleming Um, I'm not sure where he was running but he was (laughs) this was very I don't know if you came across this one he was he was wearing a jumper and he had he was dressed like seasonally like very Christmas attire but he had a bunch of bells attached to him (laughs) so when he started running It'd be like You know if you're running Beside somebody With their keys in their pockets (laughs) It'd drive you mad Carl
1: was actually Out and done about With us uh, as well Carl Fleming Shout out to Carl Kevin Devine uh, Another local listener here Up in the borough of Drogheda Ran the Drogheda 5k The Drogheda Christmas 5k In a whopping time Of 1839 Ridiculous stuff Kevin Devine Putting us all to shame Carl Smith over in Portugal, uh, completed his Corrida-Celo-Sylvester uh, race uh, for 2022. And Carlos obviously struggled with injuries over the years. So congratulations to Carl for getting out there, getting the medal now as the fetal ready for Christmas.
0: And there, there was a number of people who were out getting started with the Sanctuary Runners Christmas run from the North Pole to the... To
1: Horace on Uthron, yes.
0: With the fuse for Michael D. Higgins and one of those was Michael Kelly. He got out and did 10.51 miles, um, an hour and 24 minutes and he was doing that somewhere in, in Armagh, around Armagh. He did a fine loop up there, so well
1: yeah, done to him. Well done to him and it is very easy to submit your miles. I think that was something that I didn't make 100% clear last week when we had a leash McSweeney on. Uh, there is a link at the Sanctuary Runners website, SanctuaryRunners.ie and you literally write in the miles that you did. So if you feel like, oh, I missed the boat on this, Christmas week has already started, you really haven't. So if you do a run, you just go to the website, submit your miles and uh, you're part of the thing. I think it's always amazing, Sonia, how early people are up on a Monday for their for their run. Uh, Al Marie Malloy, straight out this morning, uh, running around Dublin clocked. Uh, Five kilometers before work, fair play to her. Connor Mooney in Paris uh, usually is now back home for the Christmas. He's down in Dungarvan, out doing a session, 12 200s at his 5k pace uh, at uh, 10 to 9 this morning. I think people were just delighted that it wasn't freezing. I've never felt so happy to feel 11 degrees on my face this morning when I went to drop Mikey to school. Do you have one more yourself, Sonny?
0: So I do have one more, and I'm not sure if he's even on the group, but it's actually for Sean Tobin. I don't know if you came Mm, across it. Yeah. Uh, He ran in the Antarctic Marathon. and he's he's down there
1: watching the whole thing.
0: Yes, actually, there was a big story, and it must have been in the Independent yesterday, maybe, um, I must read it. Apparently, it's very good. Uh, he ran two hours fifty three for the marathon, which was a world record on the Antarctic, and um, which is fascinating. Like it's sub seven minute miling for the marathon on snow and wearing like layers of clothes and probably big chunky trail shoes of some kind and. Yeah, I mean, it's just extreme conditions altogether, but amazing that that was his first marathon ever for races like the Dublin Marathon or the London Marathon. You know, the bar is low for him, but um, he said it was one of the hardest things that he's ever done in his life to run in the cold like that. I can't imagine what it would be like. He said he was drinking water and it was freezing, you know, on his beard. Oh <laughs> As it God. was God. we we'll, we'll have printed. to get in touch
1: with uh, Sean and get him on the show. There's a brilliant piece by Ian O'Reardon in the Irish Times on this. And of course, Danny Denny he was on in a bonus episode over on Patreon talking about his uh, trip through South America and down to accompany Sean on this epic run. That's it for Round the Parishes and that's it for our uh, Christmas episode of Irishman Running Abroad, Sonia. Happy Christmas to you. I hope you have a brilliant week there and that uh, the family gets together and has a a great time.
0: I had a spider story for you, but I'll have to save it for another time. Oh, (laughs)
1: nice. I love a spider story.
0: I was wondering, do you like spiders or not?
1: I love (laughs) spiders. (laughs) You hate
0: them, do you? They kind of freak me out a little bit, you know, So, so I'm down in this beach house and there's I haven't been here for like 11 months, right? And um, so of course, once I get here, I've got to like clean everything. And there's like dust everywhere and cleaning all around the place and moving everything. And then um, I sit in this chair and I see this frigging big spider in the corner, in the wall. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, big spider. Huh. So I'm like, but it was one that would kind of like freak you out. Like, yeah, I was like, oh,
1: <laughs> and you're in Australia. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so I get a, I think, I think, and yet he doesn't look. I'm not sure if he's dead or alive, but he's big and he's got thick legs. <laughs> and, so I get a spray bottle and I spray it, bloody thing. And oh, my God, he moves so fast. Oh, no. <laughs> He moved so fast, I didn't know where he went. Oh no! So then I'm freaking out because he can't. I couldn't really see. Like, oh my god, where's this spider gone to? So then I find him again here and I keep spraying him.
1: <laughs> and are you spraying him with <laughs> and like then links? A in,
0: no, it was some like eucalyptus cleaning thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he probably loves the eucalyptus. <laughs> Just something to make to get him moving. And actually, at one point, he looked like he was coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone freaking darting across the room and I'm like running around then and I thought right i get and then I didn't know you know if you get the dustpan and brush and I'm thinking I could scoop him in here now but shit he might come up and bite me so I get the the pan and I kind of shimmie me the pan along the floor and it picks him up <laughs> but then he comes crawling back off it again and then I thought oh damn I gotta get rid of him so then I just get the brush and I start sweeping him and scurrying him along and I get him as far as the door, I open the door, but Winnie's outside the door <laughs> oh, I'm thinking if I scoop him out there now she's going to be like, see him, and she'll be like fascinated I'll try to eat, eat him. him, so I just managed to sweep him out the door <laughs> and then sweep him out of Winnie's range and off the balcony, so God knows where he is. Tapping on the window now
1: as we speak, (laughs) (laughs) this is my house. I've lived here more of the year than you, son.
0: (laughs) But you do wonder if there's one, there's probably more. There's
1: probably a family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, how are you going to squeeze in the runs? I often find this is the toughest week of the year to squeeze it in.
0: It's funny. I think I was listening to you on um, one of your podcasts while I was running and you were saying how busy it was and everything and I was, you know, out by myself yesterday, running with Winnie and um, it, down the coast. And it was so quiet. There was no people around. It was just amazing to be able to escape to kind of a, where there's nobody around and enjoy it, you know, at, at this time of the year, particularly. Oh, jammy <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know what it's like. Back in well, Ireland, I don't know, like Christmas me. is just more chaotic than other places. It's just you have to go and see everyone and i definitely have to get down to kildare uh, to celebrate my mother's 80th birthday shout out again to maura regan my mother turning 80 this wednesday a huge milestone
0: that is amazing yes a huge happy birthday to maura i've heard you mention it during the week and uh, uh, that's amazing yeah i wish her a very very happy birthday from me and she's few days before Christmas as well, bit like Sophie, who's got to be 21 on Friday. Oh, big one. Um, So but then sometimes the birthdays become greater than Christmas for them, I think. Yeah, yeah. a tough day to have it. My brother has
1: his birthday, his 50th birthday is on Christmas Day. He's a Christmas Day baby. And I always remember going to mass and whenever the priest would say our Lord and Savior is born today, he'd always give me the elbow in the ribs. (laughs) 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 Just to let you know, Uh, Sonia, happy Christmas. Thanks for everything this year. It's been an epic year and we've got such a great challenge ahead of us. Shout out to Tina and Mikey, of course, who make this all possible. And Seamus McAdier and all our proud patrons and supporters over on Patreon, without whom we definitely couldn't do this. Thanks and good luck, Sonia. Thanks a lot.
0: Good luck. Have a great week. Irishman Running Abroad is an Irishman Abroad podcast presented, edited. Researched and produced by Jarlath Regan. Round the parish's assistance from Seamus McAteer. Mm. Come and see Jarloth's new stand-up show at Liberty Hall in Dublin on January 7th. Jarzilla is Jar's brand new show about life. Running and everything else in between. Tickets are available now from Ticketmaster.ie. I think anybody can be a runner. It just depends on what level of runner you want to be.
1: It's a new world record for Sonia Sullivan. Brilliant run. Sullivan has closed the gap quietly, efficiently, but most of all, economically, and that is important.
0: Running is one of those that you can actually get started without too much. It's probably one of the simplest sports you can do. You really don't need a whole lot. People think they need more than they need.
1: Well, that's an impressive piece of running so far by Sonia O'Sullivan.
0: Yes, I am still running, but I'm running because I enjoy it.
1: Sonia O'Sullivan is moving out nicely. Is this to be Ireland's first ever female world champion? Sonia O'Sullivan is on her way to another magnificent victory.
0: Running is a kind of a, an adjective or, that you can use to describe a lot of different things. And Sonia O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland and our home city of Cork. It's different for everybody. And I think... Now there's a much greater kind of acceptance among all levels of runners that we're all doing the same thing, but we're all doing it at our own level.
1: Sullivan wins the world 5000m double. Only the second athlete in history to do the 5000 10,000 double, Sonia O'Sullivan has rewritten the history books in Budapest this Sunday evening. That is simply magnificent.